everywhere now. I'm okay. Uh, I'm okay. Yeah, that's good. Can I be hard on right? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. So, okay, we just start our own recording. Yeah. So, Omega. Yeah. Oh, alright, alright. So, are we rolling? We're rolling. Okay, fine. So, why don't we just dive into it? Um, Comrade Fagawa, it's quite a pleasure. Um, we've talked in various other forums about um, the ASU strike and about numerous other uh, subjects that are relevant to left politics and liberation in Nigeria. Um, so, yeah, but we've never had the opportunity to talk to you here as Nigerian scam. So, um, it's really good to have you here and thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Nice one. Um, so today we thought that we would actually talk a bit about the ongoing ASU strike, which has been on since February and which seems to have entered uh, a new phase of recent with the protest that was launched by the NLC um, last week, a kind of a uh, couple of days of, of protest in solidarity with ASU. Um, and with recent moves by the government, it seems to bring um, a new phase of negotiations to the table. So we thought at this stage it would be good to actually talk to somebody who's an ASU member, who's a radical, uh, who can shed some light on um, what is what has been happening and what is likely to, to happen. As I said, the strike has gone on since around February this year, and of course, um, it follows on similar strikes that have, that have taken place. I mean, including the one that took place in 2020. Mm. And uh, our listeners will broadly be aware of the IPPS issue and ASU's longstanding demands for better funding and remuneration. But can you provide a bit of background and context for this strike? So what is it about and what have the major turning points been uh, since it commenced in February? Thanks, uh, Comrade uh, Said, for the question, and uh, thanks for also having me here. It's always a pleasure. But the point around this is that uh, currently we, we have actually stayed in a country or we are existing in a society uh, whose um, ruling class are really not interested again. They are not interested, they are not hiding this. You know, they are no more interested in funding public education. And they've said this publicly, they said, uh, they've said this uh, privately also. You know, they've come out, uh, uh, their ministers have um, reported this, that uh, their, their own aspiration at this time is to support the proliferation of uh, private investors. As a matter of fact, uh, sometimes ago, the executive uh, chairperson of the NUC, you know, the executive secretary, of NUC uh, at a public gathering, you can imagine, uh, said that uh, the Nigerian populists haven't seen anything. Uh, their own interest and their agenda ultimately is for us to have more private investors in this country. But it's sexual, it's sexual, you know. Uh, but the ultimate thing about this ongoing strike action, you know, uh, is the refusal of the Nigerian state to honor uh, the agreement 
it entered with also as far back as 2009. You know, it's um, quite backward, you know, because you enter an agreement, you know, as far back as 2009. And till this material point in time, you, 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 you know, you refuse to man up over that uh, agreement. You refuse to honor that agreement. It's like you are beating um, someone, you are beating a child, and you are really telling that child not to cry. Because now ASU is crying through this fact action, and the federal government is saying that ASU is not justified by this ongoing strike action. And that is nothing but an illusion. You know? it's, it's quite crazy, really. And, but the ultimate thing about this is that no matter how much you talk about it, the university system right now is in, um, is in it's currently in the Shambles state. There is a crisis of funding across public universities in this country. Of course, you know, there's, you have the crisis of funding. The, you know, subventions aren't coming as expected. Mm. The allocations aren't coming as expected, you know. Um, beyond that, you know, we're also living in a country where the superinflation uh, super, super rate, you know, is beyond what uh, one, can, one can begin to joke around with. In spite of this condition, the federal government is saying that, you know, um, academics are not actually entitled to, you know, a salary review, you know, whereas a review was last agreed as far back as 2009. You know, it was last agreed that the salary scale of academics in the country will be reviewed as far back as 2009. You can imagine what has happened from 2009 Till this time, you know what I mean. What has happened to the economy of this country? And so that is why it is currently in the most preposterous uh, you know, state. In the sense that no professor in this country earns above four hundred thousand naira. I mean, that in itself is it's almost unbelievable. That's the reality. You know, that's the reality of the country. Uh, above above how much? Sorry, could you could you say that again? Four hundred thousand naira. Four hundred thousand naira. Right, 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 right. No yeah. in this country earning above four hundred thousand naira. And then, yeah. you know, yeah, because, you see, those, I mean, it's just so backward because we also have, you know, elements in this country that are saying that they want our public investors to, I mean, to be like uh, what exists in the, in the Western countries and what have you. Forgetting the fact that uh, the university system in these countries, you know, is being funded in the most unbelievable manner. You know, because mm. every other time they want, they are talking about um, what is obtainable out there. We want to get what is obtainable, but I mean, concerning the welfare of uh, lecturers, that is not obtainable. You know, uh, so it, it's quite, it's quite, um, you know, it's quite unbelievable what is happening right now. Uh, yeah. But again, it's a product of the fact that this country is currently being, has currently been judged by failed elements. You know failed elements, those that uh, are not interested in the transformation of the society. On the other hand, they want the society to be progressed more. And this is, you know, this is just a reflection of that. Just this uh, morning, the Minister of Education gave another blunder, another blunder by saying that uh, even if they agree to the demands of ASU, there are some certain aspects of the demands that would, uh, that would only be for federal investors, but not for state investors. But of mm. course, our, our president had to come out uh, this afternoon to publicly condemn that kind of statement. But then yeah. it's a reflection of the divide and rule tactic you know, that they've been using all along. 
You know, mm -hmm. they divide the union, I mean, members of the union in order to pay the demands. But ASU is not in any way um, going to be, you know, wavered by this uh, backward progressive statement and, you know, doing it by the federal government. Yeah. How about this IPPS issue? I mean, it just occurs to me that there might be some people okay. listening who don't really um, have a firm grip of, of that. I know I understand that that's one of the bones of contention. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, the entirety of the demands for the ongoing strike action can actually be grouped into you know three main parts. The question of revitalization, you know, that the you know, university system has got to be funded, adequate funding. You know, we must have adequate hostels. You know, across mm -hmm. the public universities. You know, uh, laboratories. Uh, you know, teaching halls. You know, must be well equipped. I mean, these are the questions. I mean, these are the things around the question of uh, revitalization of, uh, you know, of the university system itself. Then you then have the part of IPPIS. Uh, IPPIS is um, a, pay, a payroll platform that, um, that um, the federal government came up with recently, a payroll platform that the mm -hmm. federal government came up with recently. Uh, they proposed it. Uh, to the entirety of, um, you know, uh, members of their, you know, ministries, the civil servants, you yeah. know, and, and then, you know, the idea is that, you know, uh, like a single road payment account something, that uh, the entirety of uh, those that will be paid in the university or in the civil service, that it is only one office that will be in charge of the payment of, you know, all these, uh, all these yeah. uh, workers. You know, so it's a uh, sort of attempt to centralize exactly, all the payments exactly, of everyone who works for the federal government. Exactly. Okay. exactly. But behind the scene also is that uh, we have found out that uh, this is actually a byproduct of uh, the proposal being, um, being suggested by World Bank. Like IPPIS is nothing but a package from World Bank, you know. Mm. And uh, what um, what Bank is saying with this is that since you have borrowed so much money from us, we want to help you in a way to ensure that you know the payment how you control your fund, you know, is being done adequately. You know, yeah. that, uh, you know, that we we ensure that uh, there won't be loopholes. So the IPPIS something was proposed, but um, as we have found out again, the IPPIS is nothing but uh, another platform that has been created to siphon the collective wealth of the Nigerian people. And then, I mean, we don't have to go far. The Attorney General of the Federation recently, you know, was caught up in a corrupt um, case, you know, and then, lo and behold, the office of the Attorney General of the Federation is, uh, you know, is, the, uh, is in charge of the IPPIS payment something. Mm -hmm. But it will amaze you to know that those monies that they did say the Sakata General of the Federation Bank, you know, uh, moved with are also monies that are actually gotten from the IPPIS payment something. You know, mm -hmm. these are people's salaries that were yeah. people that have been short change. You know, you know what it is. You ordinarily yeah. you are entitled to ninety thousand naira in the for an example, you know, in, as, as your salad, but you are getting 65,000 naira. No one is giving you any explanation as to why that, mm. I mean, why that is happening. This has yeah. been a trend 
These have been the trend in the civil service. These have been the trend in the ministries. But workers mm. in those places are not talking. Workers in yeah. those places are not talking. So RPPIS is nothing but uh, a platform that has been created for them to continue to make the vast resources of this country. And yeah, so one, one could say it's a kind of attempt to centralize the skimming of people's salaries. Exactly, that's what it is. But, you know, ASU yeah. has been able to, you know, uh, demystify that. And ASU is saying that if indeed you are interested, genuinely interested in centralizing payment across the then you must do it, you know, in, the, in, a, in a more civilized way. And that's why ASU, you know, a union of intellectuals, there is now, I mean, ASU has come up with an alternative known as UTAS. You know, but they are scared of UTAS. You can mm -hmm. imagine. You know, because they carried out so much uh, examinations on UTAS, uh, and even their best, their best examiners, you know, couldn't hide the fact that UTAS performed very well. But they are scared of implementing or accepting UTAS. You can imagine all mm -hmm. because they have an ulterior motive with IPPIS, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, ASU is not going to back down UTAS, actually. That's interesting, and uh, I think we might come back to that because it's a sort of interesting example of a union actually developing a, a tool, you know, that forced the government to consider the union's alternative as a serious alternative, you know. Um, so I think that's maybe worth coming back to. But one thing we've wondered is is uh, that the strike seems to have attracted more solidarity and support from. Uh, other organized groups this time, I think maybe even more than usual. So obviously there was the protest organized by the NLC and the trade union centers last week, but there've also been various student union protests that have kicked off. Um, I mean, notably the NANS Zone D, one of the more radical uh, cells of NANS, the National Association of Nigerian Students, for those who might not know. Um, so we've seen such solidarity protests and support messages, right? Um, but it seems like, you know, this wasn't always the case in previous ASU actions. So how would you account for this? Are we seeing a kind of cultural shift whereby students and workers see ASU as fighting for them? Or do you think this support has more to do with what people's wider disenchantment with the current government or... I mean, is there a third possibility, like maybe something ASU is doing differently this time? The mass disenchantment with the state, the Nigerian state, consequently its failure, you know, to, you know, come up with alternative to the current economic crisis that indeed the ruling class, members of the ruling class have created, you know, the crisis of insecurity, you know, the crisis of, um, you know, um, the economy itself. Yeah. And, you know, all of the the entirety of this crisis have um, really, really, you know, um, snowballed into what members of the ruling class did not even envisage in the first instance. So there is that, and you know, we cannot treat that factor with, um, with, um, you know, negligence. I think that mm -hmm. factor is extremely important. Uh, but beyond that, again, before the strike action, you know, we must also record the fact that we lost a number of, I mean, quite a number of students across the, you know, the first class generation of, uh, of our universities. You know, okay. uh, we lost about two students in OAU, one in, uh, I think, Lasso, another student, another two students um, at um, uh, the University of Benin, you know, uh, yeah. to, the backward, to the backwardness of the clinics, the clinics, you know, 
The claim mm. is on the campuses. You know, we lost quite a number of students to you know, the backwardness of the clinics. And that's really, for me, you know, because there were protests, there were demonstrations. Sometimes yeah. around Germany, across this university, there were demonstrations. And you know, you have that at hand. You know, the mass of students are aware of this. And so you then have ASU making some legitimate demands around the need for funding, you know, around the need for the you know, for the clinics on campuses to be equipped, the laboratories and what have you. So naturally, this is coming at the right time. And that is why okay. I know you find a student body or a student organization, you know, condemning the current strike action, except those that are being used by members of the ruling class. Like NAS mm. at a point in time, you know, was saying all sorts of rubbish, but you know, eventually even um, fellow school members of NAS and members, you know, strong members within that same union began to speak against and uh, speak against the, the president, their president. Yeah. Began to yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, fellow, fellow members began to. So you're suggesting that actually at a certain point there was a sort of bottom up pressure that the leadership had to respond to mm -hmm. in support of the ASU strike? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, the union was forced actually. Uh, mm. Because you can remember, uh, they were invited to Abuja, you know, by the Minister of Education. And at that um, particular gathering, the minister was uh, trying to buy them, you know, you can imagine trying to buy them into believing that ASU is the problem. And mm. uh, quite a number of them were actually buying into that uh, backward narrative, not until members of the Rangers, you know, in their usual fashion. You know, this means the members of that um, union, the Nassau guys, in the most backward manner, you know, they were treated with disdain and what have you. So they themselves now have the practical understanding of what ASU has been going through. And that right. then, like a 360 degree something, they have to change totally when it comes to their orientation, you know. Mm -hmm. So right, right now we are, we are, we are, we are experiencing ASU is experiencing a wide support, a nationwide support, clearly because of the current, you know, backwardness, you know, that seems to be, you know, uh, you know that, 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 that seems to be visible in every sector, you know, in every mm -hmm. sector in the country. There's, there's no denying that fact, you know. But beyond that, ASU has also done some of its um, assignments. And what do I mean by this? Uh, before the strike action, ASU went on several consultative meetings. You know, several consultative meetings were aired. Um, uh, there were public uh, speaking and events wherein ASU educated members of the public of the possibility of a strike action because of this and that and that and what have you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, members of the religious bodies were invited. You know, student organizations, members of student organizations were invited members of the civil societies were invited. This was sometimes around early February, you know, where they had the sensitization and, you know, because the national gave a directive that uh, members should be sensitized and beyond that, members of the public should be sensitized also about the possibility of a strike action. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that that is extremely important and interesting because that went a long way in yeah. you know, uh, bringing so much persons into the codes of you know, uh, into the fold of the demands of ASU, so that demands of ASU now becomes public demands. Mm. That's interesting. 
uh, following up on your insights about how ASU actually engaged in these kinds of sensitization efforts ahead of the strike and how, if I was hearing you correctly, that, you know, you were suggesting that this has had an impact on the level of public support for the strike. Mm. So then I was wondering the extent to which, you know, radical unionists like yourself are actually able to shape the ASU agenda, be it in terms of the demands that they put, that they um, pursue, or be it the sorts of interventions, such as those sorts of sensitization uh, efforts that they pursue. Like, to what extent can members such as yourself, um, you know, particularly radical members, actually influence the overall ASU agenda, or is it, is it more of a kind of top-down um, situation? So I suppose it's oh. it's really a question about the internal politics of the union. Oh, you, you see, the the thing about us is that uh, if only if only you know the Nigerian state would learn the you know the workings within us, you know the modus operandi, how you know decisions are being passed and what have you, because you know the Nigerian state has so much to learn from us. I think, and I'm not um, in any way sound, I, I don't want to sound patronizing in any way, but I think ASU today is, at the, is, is currently in a position of demonstrating what you know, a true democratic organization can be like, in the sense that ASU operates a bottom-to-the-top decision-making you know, kind of um, structure, in mm. the sense that, yes, and, 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 and I think this is amazing in the way that you know, you 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 then have you know that that affinity to your union in the sense that you're not being treated that as a stranger. You know, this bottom to the top yeah. you know, decision in structure which ASU has been riding on for decades, you know, such such an interesting one in the sense that when this strike action that this ongoing strike action when it was going to commence, the national, you know, instructed all local branches to deliberate on the demands, to deliberate mm. on the issues at hand. And that not only to deliberate, to, but to also assess the possibility of a strike action. If indeed, you know, these demands, you know, are worthy of we engaging in a strike action. And I can remember, you know, at our own local branch over here, you know, the, the, you know, members, you know, members debated these issues. Members were saying that, you know, that there's a necessity for a salary review, you know. And, you know, what ASU normally would do is that all of these resolutions from these local branches, you know, will be aggregated and will be passed across to the national. Mm -hmm. You know, so, for instance, I attended one of the zona meetings at um, the University of Ibadan, you know, where in the sure. national again, because, because there were several consultative meetings. This is, this is what people don't know. As we just don't, as we never declare a strike action overnight, like, like, mm. that's not what I, like, like, as we never do that, you know, and you won't find some elements in Abuja, you know, saying they are uh, national school members of ASU and that they want to declare and they want to call up the strike. No, 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 ASU don't, you know, ASU don't, you know, because, the national is just a re I mean, ought to be a reflection of the, you know, aggregate demands of those at the local branches. Mm. You know, so 
uh, prior to the February something, I mean, you know, the local branches were, were, were told to assess all of these demands and, you know, really decide if indeed they are worthy of a strike action. And at our own branch, we said yes, you know, uh, the resolution that was reached was a yes, you know, and across most branches, of course, you know, the aggregate, uh, you know, uh, decision. I mean, was that uh, there's a necessity for a strike action? Mm. And you know, the the president, of course, uh, had to had to had to go, you know, uh, uh, to the public to say that uh, ASU is not commencing on it. One is, you know, I think the first one was about uh, four weeks, one strike, one yeah. strike action. You know, and you see that that. Within those weeks, you know what was happening? Within those weeks, you know, the national again, you know, uh, sent some words back to all branches that um, are they prepared to take the strike action beyond four weeks? Can you imagine that level? That kind of, uh, yeah. that kind of, you know, understand? are they ready? Are they, are they getting prepared? Mm. You know, and you know, of course, you know, because the issues, I've got it beyond uh, what anyone can just uh, you know play over. You know the fact that you know uh, nothing is happening in the, you know, across the universities and what have you. So everyone seems to be tired. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. Uh, you know the response again was that we are ready. You know, and mm -hmm. the strike them would then move to what it is now. Had to bring that to this mm -hmm. time. If mm. ASU is going to call up this strike action, no one will sit in Abuja and call it up. You know, eventually mm. they've signed the agreement, those demands and what have you. The president of ASU cannot, cannot just continuously, you know, call up the strike action. That's not how it works in ASU. Yeah. You know, the national will then go back to the branches. We ask its ESCO members to go back to the branches and then, you know, read out those demands that have been I mean, those um, those agreements that have been reached with federal government, you know, have those have those agreements, you know, read out to the hearing of every member, so that every member will now then say that okay, okay, we are satisfied with this agreement, and that if it's not to be that most academics in this country are not satisfied, most members of us who are not satisfied with the agreement that has been reached with federal government, the strike action within that. Mm. Well, you know, I think I think that's quite a positive um, model or positive kind of insight into um, ASU's method of collective decision making. And, you know, I'm quite happy to hear that, um, you know, you find it to be a fairly democratic process. Um, I think Emeka is, uh, is about ready to pose his question. So I'll just hand over to him. Hey. Oh. oh, that's... Um... Like, like you say, Said, um, that's, that's quite a bit, a bit, a bit of information. You know, I mean, the way, um, Comrade Topper lays it, you know, bare, you know, I mean, with regards to, to the way that our is structured, you know, I, 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 I've also heard, you, you know, from some of my own friends who are academics that it's, um, you know, it's also the case that um, that structure um, is, is 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 totally opposite of, of the way that you, you know the Nigerian state itself structures has structured you, you know um, 
the country. So I'm speaking here of, of geopolitical divides. So I understand that ASU doesn't also, its structure doesn't pay attention to that in, in, in that sense. So, um, so that the, the zones aren't reflective, you know, if you like, of, of that, you know, the geopolitical divides that we, we have. So that you can have um, a school in the middle there to be a member of a zone that is presumably south southwestern. So I, I, I think you know I agree with Comrade Topper that there's a lot that you know maybe the Nigerian states um, can can learn from us. Am I being heard? Oh, okay, uh, nice. Um, so I mean, I, I I I think on on that note, you know, just listening to you, um, I have this um, couple of questions I'd like to ask, and then I'll, I'll just flip it around and, and start from like you know, say the bottom. Uh, I'm curious, you know, given all that you know, you said about the process, you know, um, the decision making process within the union. Um, I'm I'm curious. And I asked this question basically because, I mean, I, I was locked down in Ibadan myself. Um, it might interest you to know that I was actually locked down on the University of Ibadan campus for maybe even three months during the pandemic. Uh, um, my, my understanding of, of the struggle of, of the union was, became clearer, you know, at, at that time, you know, um, I know how how bad things were for I and some of my own friends in terms of you know meals, electricity. What so I mean, I I fully understand what the working conditions are within university using university of Ibadan as as, you know, as a case in point. And and then but the one thing I took away from that period was the level of camaraderie, the, the kind of solidarity that. I was able to, to inject, you know, so, so I'm, that means that that's where I, I probably I'm coming from with this question. How would you, I mean, how would you say that, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, um, impacted um, that nine month strike period of 2020 and how much of it, you know, helped strengthen this resolve that you now speak of? academics in terms of um, of solidarity with the union because I understand that that hasn't always been been the case you know uh, it always almost seemed as if it was impossible for all um, a majority of the academics or, who are of course members of the union to agree on, on ways to go so I'm wondering how much you know that um, struggle Asu was embroiled in a strike during the pandemic, meant that monies weren't coming. Um, lecturers had to devise all sorts of means to, to cater to their needs and that of their family. I saw it firsthand. You know, um, and also, would you would it be wrong, you know, to su suggest that you know the pandemic also contributed to bridging the divide, you know, between academics and students on the one hand, and to an extent. I say this is a bit of a caveat to an extent that divide between town and town. I think um, what the pandemic, uh, I mean, and I totally agree with you, 
that there must be a connection. But again, the you know, strike action of 2020, again, um, came at a time where, of course, the pandemic, uh, the lockdown was on. And um, generally, to some extent, you know, the government you know, expressed a level of indifference to the strike action, you know, because they felt that, well, uh, there's an ongoing lockdown, so what are I mean, they, 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 they weren't really taken aback. They, they weren't concerned, you know, mm -hmm. about the importance or the necessity for students to be on campus, you know, but, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, there's what we call, uh, you know, dialectics, you know, because when you walk along a certain path and you think maybe you are doing that for your best interest, you might end up working against your own, you know, uh, demise. So what then eventually happened is that what they were running away from subsequently, you know, dug their grave. What do I mean by this? They felt it was okay for students to be off campus, to be in their private homes and what have you. But you are, I mean, you and I, we are, we are quite aware of the fact that that itself became the basis upon which we had the SS protest. You know, because students, mm. in their numbers were the ones that mobilized across the states, across across states, across the country. You know, to to you know uh, propagate the idea of uh, end to police brutality. Mm. You know. So there, there is that on one hand. And, and I quite agree with uh, the fact that in the long run, you know, this became the basis upon which ASU is in fact enjoying a nationwide solidarity today. You know, because there's this anti-government, um, you know, sentiment that seems to run, I mean, that currently seems to, you know, run across uh, uh, the streets. You know, that currently runs across the streets. It runs across the streets because you know the prevailing conditions, economic conditions, or social conditions in the country are just so you know um, the terrible state. So ordinarily, you cannot but expect this massive support that also is enjoying. But and, you know the lockdown, the pandemic itself, number one, also exposed the backwardness of the Nigerian state. In the sense that um, you have a government that is saying that um, uh, she doesn't have the resources, the way without, to you know to meet the demands of ASU. You know this was in early you know, um, the early month of um, the year 2020 that they don't have the way without, they don't have the resources and what have you. But you and I we are also aware of the fact that. More than any other time, you know, in the recent political history of this country, much loans were taken in the year 2020 from the agent of International Finance Capital, IMF, World Bank, you know, loaned the Nigerian state so much money to the point that they were loaning them close to about 30 billion US dollars, sometimes around December 2020, for water projects, water projects, water projects. What are projects that people did not water, water, you know, what back had to loan them money for water projects in November 2020, you know. And then, you know, they were taking all of these monies, they were, you know, in the most backward manner, in the most uh, criminally minded manner, you know, 
doing all sorts of things. And then beyond that, the COVID-19 and, you know, uh, uh, what do we call it? Funds that were coming from IMF, that were coming from uh, Britain, that were coming from the foreign donors, were actually going into the purchase of, um, you know, Indonesia that were subsequently being kept in warehouses. They were under the lock of, uh, they are under the uh, lock and key of uh, members of the ruling class. I did them away from the people and the people- All right, I'm, ju I'm just laughing at you saying Indomies. They had to, they had to, you know, that shows the primitivity of uh, the African ruling class. Oh the my elite. God. They are so yeah. primitive. That they will steal from any, they will steal anything from anyone. The Nigerian members of the Nigerian ruling class will steal from mad person. They will steal from a, they will steal a mad person's clothes. That's to tell you are primitive. They, they are ready to steal anything, you know, because you can imagine stealing Indomie, Indomie, you know, Indomie, and you are quite aware of the fact that if you lock this Indomie in your warehouse for more than uh, two months or so, it will get caught. And they will, and, you know, people were even getting these Indomies and people were, some person cannot even hit the Indomies, like in Oshobo, the Indomies that they subsequently met in a particular warehouse. You know, they couldn't even hit it. You know, because it has gotten spoiled to the point that uh, it was not uh, redeemable. No amount of hot water will redeem the Indomies. <laughs> 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 yeah. There's a metaphor in there somewhere. That's, that's, that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm happy. In fact, I'm laughing here because I mean, you kind of in your response kind of um, set me up for my next question. But before I do, uh, let me just say that you, you got me thinking about. I mean, just because you mentioned um, Indomie, you know, uh, Side isn't the only one who is uh, excited. Yeah, <laughs> really? I didn't say I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that I knew that the excitement I knew that the excitement would cause is, is that what you're going to have to see me? Is that, is that what... Indomie I know they touch out no worry <laughs> yeah but yeah comrade uh, so, I mean Indomie and SARS those two things um, resonate with me they, uh, they, they resonate with me because I mean once I I left Ibado and then during the SARS thing uh, once you know matters got out of hand, this friend of mine who lectures at, at, at the university in Ibado sends me a message and says, "Can you imagine how much these guys have have stored up in, in warehouses? When you know, I mean, we've been the hungry during answers. You know, we did crop mangoes. You um, sometimes feeding now na, na how." We one guy, we one, um, how do you call them? Good Samaritan, you know, gather akara balls and tuntun and yam, come share for, you know, staff club. It, it was crazy, you know, and the guy, the guy, I mean, it, it was when the guy sent me this WhatsApp message asking me, you know, if I could see the link between starvation, you know, that university lecturers and, and even non academics, you know, teachings. I mean, if you can imagine what university uh, lecturers went through, you can imagine what members of SAN, you know, and non-academics went, went through, because, you know, that, that, that disparity in A grades, but it didn't quite even matter whether, the, the money wasn't even coming in, 
And then it was it was bewildering to see that you know these guys had stopped you know um, merchandise you know that was given to, to the state to distribute you know to those of us or those who amongst us are endangered and and then we, we it was just there left to rot whether the plan was to share it during this self-love election I, I, I don't know <laughs> it's, it, it's crazy but you you think you you would also it also leads me you know to, to speak to the fact that I think sometimes we we we, think we, we pay the, the states too much we, we we raise the bar too much for them I think that they're incompetent really and part of that incompetence is that they, they hadn't devised channels to spread you know um, to share this this um, Goods, you know, this the indoming, whatever it was that they had stopped there, just didn't have the channels to. It, 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 it was never going to be effective, you know, because the, the roll call that they have it's, it's simply the roll call that caters to members of the ruling party as it stands now. So sharing that would have been undemocratic, and it probably would have even caused you know problems sooner, you know, even than later, especially if they try to do it during the pandemic because. Once people knew where those things were during the pandemic, maybe a SARS would have started during the pandemic. So um, that's the, the point that I. But, but I mean, this just allows me ask uh, you know about you know the demands. Um, you know, having given this background, I'm, I'm a bit worried about the demands of us. So, um, and this is something that you know I've heard people say, you know, especially critics of us. So, um, Comrade Topper, I don't know, how would you respond to, to these critics, you know, of the union who insist, you know, uh, depending on where you stand, that uh, the demands by us is, is selfish. You know, I've even heard, heard, heard someone say that, you know, if you sum it up, it comes up to total about, about 200 billion uh, naira, you know. And I... And I I ask because I, I don't get the feeling myself really that it caters to the struggle of teachers who essentially are workers themselves at the basic and, and primary, primary levels. You know, uh, I don't know if, if this is scoping the demands too much or too beyond, you know, scoping it out outside, you know, the reach of what us is, is but, um, equipped to do. You know, because but, but I mean, I, for for instance, I don't see how how the demands, you know, IPPIS, salary reviews, um, even I mean, and and they have, they are valid demands. Don't get me wrong, but I don't really see what it means for the education sector, you know, as a whole. I'm not speaking from you know from the basic up on, up until the tertiary. I don't see, for instance, what it means. 10, over 10 million students who are out of school. So I was wondering, you know, if, if how would you respond to critics? Because, I mean, not every Nigerian is sold on, on us, to be honest. And there, there, there are people who still think that you know, the us is asking for too much. Yes, I, I think you are right. I mean, um, in spite of the mass support that ASU is um, gathering so far, I mean, we have quite a number of um, critics and then um, I mean, 
on the side of ASU, ASU has also been um, responsive. You know, um, ASU is not a union to run away from uh, um, arguments, polemics, you know. And that's why ASU, different members of ASU, you know, have been uh, consistently providing red bad information to the public. You know, um, over the past few months, I can't count how many articles I've read from lecturers, you know, across the country. I was just reading one from um, mm. a lecturer from Kaduna State University this afternoon, you know, making a mockery of um, the Rufai guy, you know, the governor, because the governor had recently threatened to, you know, sack the entirety of um, lecturers at, um, you know, uh, Kaduna State University. What a backward uh, proclamation of mm. that. Mm -hmm. Short yeah, Elrufa is a maker's friend. Though. No, no insult to <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, <laughs> no, at all. You're, you're at all, short. at all. He's, he's his least favorite person. I'm not even, <laughs> la I'm not even laughing, sir. Why, why did everybody bring that man into this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> you don't mess with that. Sorry, continue. That short man, you know. So, you know, the guy, the guy... The guy came up with this whole thing that uh, the ongoing strike action has nothing to do with state investors. And we all laughed, you know. And I think the article from one of the lecturers back there, you know, is quite um, interesting also because that uh, the doctor really exposed the, you know, the Elrify map of who he is, you know, such an you know, ignorant uh, element. But the point to me is this, that um, it is true that... Um, you know, to some extent, we have, we have um, quite a number of persons coming up publicly to say that the demands of us are selfish, uh, appears to be selfish. Uh, beyond that, again, most government uh, officials, uh, they've said this, you know, they've said this publicly, privately, that, you know, ASU is a selfish union, that uh, ASU is not interested in collective, uh, in the collective unity of the country and what have you, and, you know, this and that and that. And that. But we are asking them again to tell us what ASU really is doing, you know, um, wrongly. Uh, to begin with, are we saying that um, ASU is not uh, within? It is not within um, the ambit of ASU to say that the investors have got to be properly funded, you know, because. And when you look at the question of revitalization of the university, revitalization funds, the funds that we are talking about are not going into the pockets of ASU members. And I think that point has got to be made clearly. This money that they are, talk they are all talking about, you know, are, are supposed to, are expected to go to the coffers of each university for adequate buildings, for adequate um, laboratories, for you know, lecture rooms. The point remains that across our university, even the University of Ibadan, you don't have mega lecture halls. You don't have mega lecture halls. Today, at the Faculty of Arts, the University of Ibadan, I, I don't think there's the, there's, there's, you have in existence a, a hall that will occupy close to, that will occupy, uh, you know, 800 students, you know, in a, in, in a single class, in a single lecture class. I don't think that exists right now in the Faculty of Arts, in the University of Ibadan. I think... Uh I think, comrade, I think what, you know, ASU critics, depending on who you're listening to are saying is, you know, is, is this, that given the state of the Nigerian economy right now, um, all the sum of what ASU demand will, will come to isn't something that the state can afford at the minute, right? 
um, and that it's, it's, it's enormous. The second bit that, you know, some critics and, and these are, these critics I probably identify with myself as saying is that, uh, it's, it's not even enough because ASU has articulated this, you, you, you know, it's demand in such a way that you now appears to be selfish because it, it almost seems that IPPS is about their salary. Reviewing, you know, I mean, so IPPS is basically saying that deductions are being made at source, you know, if, if, if you're paying through using that portal, you know, and then, um, the, the dons, university lecturers say, Oh, we have this system. We are sure that we're not being overcharged or charged outside what, you know. So basically it's about money, whether we're talking about IPPS, whether we're talking about, um, remuneration, you, you, you know. But, but for me, what, I, what I'm saying is, how about framing this demand such that it even takes in, you know, teachers at lower levels, teachers who are even being paid as much as 400,000, not even as much as 150, because we're thinking about the whole of the education. So it's almost as if ASU is just thinking about the tertiary system, you know, that level where they play at, and then, you know, the guys be, below them can go and sort themselves out. And, but you see, um, at the elementary, secondary level, at the elementary, primary, secondary level, they have their own union. Mm. The Nigerian mm. Union of Teachers, NUT. Mm. The, mm. the sad story of NUT today is that NUC right now is a subsector of the Nigerian ruling class. That union has been bastardized. Unfortunately, sadly, NUT has been pocketed by members of the ruling class in this country. To the point that the leadership of, I mean, some, uh, the leadership of some chapters of this union, eh? They play mobilizing role for politicians during the electoral periods. Confirm. It is, mm. it is that mm. bad. It is that bad. Yeah. In Lagos State, in yeah, the NUT, right. sorry, sorry, in, in Lagos State, the NUT, uh, I mean, the NUT uh, uh, leadership sometimes held a symposium in honor of uh, one of the past governors, in honor of his birthday. Can you imagine about what it is? <laughs> in Oshun State, in Oshun State recently, in Oshun State recently, you know, they, 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 were, they were involved in, in, in rally, rally, they were involved in rally for APC candidates, the government, government. They, were, they were on the streets doing rally. You know, so it is that no, bad. No, but comrade, I mean, so, but couldn't somebody argue, and I think you've done a good job of kind of dismissing some of the right-wing criticisms, you know, saying people who talk about, oh, it's too expensive or the kind of Eurofies of the world or that sort of thing. But I mean, the left-wing criticisms that say um, ASU could speak up more for the education sector in general or could represent a kind of vanguard for the working class more generally, I think might even be... Um, further inspired by the point you're making about NUT and say like, look, the absence of an NUT makes it even more important that that's, that the ASU speak for the sector more widely rather than just for oh, yes. higher education. So how would you respond to that kind of left? Because it seems like Emeka was, was, was kind of raising both the critics from that's the right, right and left. You know? So it's, right. I right. guess the, the, left, the left critic is what 
criticism is what you know we'd really wonder how you would respond how you, you see, respond yeah, to rather yeah is it the fact that you have so much unions within the invest i mean within the education educational sector itself today is a product of the fact that the nigerian states at various you know moments have been able to you know institutionalize this divide and rule tactics because you know uh, in the 80s, 70s, in the 80s, you only have a union, you know, catering for, I mean, you, I think you only have two unions or so, catering for the entirety of the demands mm -hmm. of members um, mm -hmm. across the educational sector. You know, mm -hmm. in fact, ASU used to be an appendix of the NLC. You know, but over the years, what they did was to, you know, destroy this relationship. So that you cut off these ones and you use these ones for your own personal advantage, whenever it suits you. That's what they do. I mean, it's just like what is happening with NURTW in Lagos State. The state <laughs> government, yes, now for you to have a, you know, a, a practical understanding of what, what, uh, what happened with unions in the educational sector, the Lagos State government dare come out publicly to say that they don't want to recognize NURT in Lagos State. Who are you? <laughs> I mean, yeah. to make that such demands, clearly because they want to have something to do with uh, this, uh, what is his name? Uh, you know. Yeah, they went ahead so, to create their own parks and whatever, exactly. garages, um, exactly. something for him. So, exactly. like a parallel structure. Exactly. Yeah. So that he will continue with his mobilizing uh, role in the state. He's a mobilizer for them. Political mobilizer. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so what is the same thing they did with no because it would have been interesting if you have, you know, just a single union catering for the affairs of every worker. At the university level, some of us we are even saying that this whole thing. Nasu, Sanu, you know, um, Asu, that, I mean, have to just have a simple umbrella, you know. But again, that's a product of, you know, years of um, um, state infiltration. State infiltration. It's it, 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 a product of it. But Asu, we find out that Asu, it, I mean, amongst these whole unions within the educational sector, appears to be the only union you know, talking about the commercialization of the educational sector. ASU, you know, no, no rejoinder that ASU will write that this will not be stipulated, that the Nigerian state is commercializing the whole of, um, you know, components within the educational sector, including the elementary, the primary, down to the secondary, and down to the tertiary. You will find this in most, you know, um, rejoinders, that have been written by you know um, the leadership of ASU, you'll find this well stated. And ASU would forever say that education has got to be free across all, all board, you know. Mm. I mean mm -hmm. that's that that that's that's a uni unifying statement. You know, yeah. that's that's unifying statement that um, ASU seems to be the only voice, you know, um, echoing this publicly and privately, you know. Um you see. You, you, we are operating under a very terrible condition today, and that is why you have these um, privileges here and there because ordinarily they shouldn't exist. 
you know, but they wanted to exist so that the unity, for instance, you should, you should know that there's an attempt to, you know, to, in fact, um, vulcanize them, um, as we say, I hope you are aware, comrades, that you have, you now have some elements parading themselves or whatever their name is mm. on the campuses. Kona, Konoa. You know, hmm. they're like an acronym or something. Yes, now um, Congress of Congress of uh, uh, National University of something something. I will get Konoa, Konoa or something. <laughs> it doesn't really yeah, acronyms as work. Like a fraction. It speaks, it speaks, it speaks volumes of, 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 of you that you do, you're not even interested in. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue. They are, they, are, they, are, they are jokers, you know. Why they are, in fact, you know, because they broke out, it just remembers some um, elements, you know, uh, disenchanted and so-called disenchanted elements, who we think are just... Um, uh, I mean, they are they are nothing but uh, elements that are just uh, you know opportunistic. They are they are, they are they are opportunist, you know that they are being opportunistic. That's what it is, you know. Because um, look at it. How would you break from us without any concrete um, you know reason? No concrete, no basis for the design, No basis. But again, we are aware of the fact that the minister of uh, what is his name? Uh, Labour and something, something. The guy, you know, Ingege, you know. We are, we are aware of the fact that Ingege seems to be the spokesperson of that uh, union. Can you imagine? You know, because Ingege at a point in time was saying, was proposing that uh, it, they, they don't want to recognize us. They want to recognize this backward uh, something that just... Oh, oh. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, comrade, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's nice to hear... Um, you talk about you, um, what ASU has done in, in terms of broadly speaking to, to, to the tragedy within, you know, the, the um, educational sector. Uh, but I, I, I still, I mean, you don't have to go into details with this because I'm also not, unfortunately, I can't go into it, you know, the way I'd love to. Um, it, because, I mean, this whole conversation around ASU is, is part of, of a left tra tradition, you know, which I'm not sure still even exists within ASU um, itself. Uh, and I'm speaking about how ASU came to be formed, you know, first as an uh, association of university teachers, you know, um, I think in 1978. 70. Hello? Oh, okay. Um, first of all, you know, uh, um, under another acronym, but you know, more under this acronym in 1981. You know, um, and then all of this happened, you know, from the days of the Ali Moscow, you know, um, protests up until, you know, um, the SAP era, you know. Um, so, so let's. I mean, and there are those people, people like me who think that, you know, um, ASUS, we might be experiencing a revival, you know, I, I'm not sure how much of, of that would last, you know, but before now, I'd say that ASUS glory days were behind it, you know, if, if as someone who even under, who knows, you know, the history of where ASUS has come from, you know, 
Um, and, and some of the most radical of, of, of our intellectuals in the academic space, you know, have managed, you know, to, to, to their credit to, to articulate, you know, what the problem is. And I think that's what you were speaking to in terms of when you, you were talking about the commercialization of the educational sector. Um, they have managed to articulate uh, the link between that and the infamous SAP of the 80s. Um, as, as you as you know, um, and it's within you know this broad context, this broad context that you know, I I think that the, the left critique, you know, from some of us who have you know sympathies for ASU, but still think that it's not the union that it used to be in the eighties. I mean. Like I said, I, I don't want to delve into this too much, you know, because time might not even allow for us to exhaust it. But the, the truth of the matter is, I, you know, there the are radical intellectuals who led ASU in terms of, of its leadership, you know, and who actually, even leading up to its formation, who, whose actual work was actually within the working class, you know, within the working class outside of, you know, the university, you know, and, and somehow you, thinking about where ASU is today in, in terms of, I mean, I'm not casting any aspersions, but sometimes I think that within ASU, some of the arguments that we make for other unions can be made for it in terms of it being watered down, there's no, revol that there's no revolutionary verve in there anymore. Um, and, and that's why, you know, for some of us, some of the things, you know, that Asu talks about seems, you know, a bit elitist. I, I, I don't know how you'd respond to that if, if you, you, you know, um, if, if you will. I mean, but, but basically that, I mean, it doesn't, their demands, you know, how, however valid, don't quite ref, reflect, you know, the tragedy of, I mean, the malaise of, of, of the Nigerian public education system, as, as it were. Mm. But, but you see, this is it. Firstly, we must understand that um, ASU rose, um, you know, as, as, an, as an elitistic, um, you know, union. That's like a multi-class kind of thing. You know, that's the origin of ASU itself, you know, if you... Yeah, but 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 forged links with but forged links with the with the, under, yes. with, the with the with the with the with the lower yes, class. Yes, I'm coming to that. Yeah. You know, um, the origin of us is that you know basically uh, a membership from the outset. Well, you know, are members of the middle class really, and then to the point that uh, during the you know formative period at such, you know, you have some element within the union you know, who felt that. You know, our solidarity, our concern really should be geared towards what are the immediate, what are the immediate uh, challenges of our members, you know, solely the challenges of our members. We shouldn't go to the public to say that, you know, uh, they are commercializing education. That shouldn't be our business. Uh, but you see, along the line, you then have this, you know, emergence of radical element within ASU. And that is again not a given, you know, because Social conditions, social economic conditions, you know, clearly have their own way of pushing one into the, you know, um, into a progressive and into progressive and reasoning, 
you know, uh, the emergence of activist scholars within the rank of, you know, ASU will change this trajectory, you know, to the point that, um, you know, ASU led major struggles, you know, against the Babangida SAP regime, you know, uh, several special congresses were held, you know, um, town hall meetings were held, you know, ASU, you know, uh, released several articles, you know, educating the mass of the people that there's a need to stand against um, this whole sad thing. That was then, you know, ASU led that struggle, you know, um, side by side with several other members of civil societies, you know, ASU did this, you know, and then, but you are correct again within the context of the fact that uh, that revolutionary, you know, tradition, indeed, as 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 uh, as reduced when it comes to some substance, you know, that that you know that um, grip, that revolutionary grip itself. But it is not just we, you know, it is not just uh, a challenge that ASU seems to. You know, to, I mean, it is not just, it is not a challenge that is peculiar to ASU alone. Uh, when you begin to look at what is happening with NLC also, you understand the fact that this is, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a mass collapse of consciousness, actually, uh, to the point that even um, at some of our congresses in recent times, you know, you have some members who are, you know, reactionary in a way, or who are of uh, middle class, um, orientation, saying that, um, you know, our demands should solely be for salary, 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 salary. But the radical element within the leadership of us will not accept, you know, that kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, you know, um, self-serving uh, position, you know, and that, <laughs> yes, you know, there are some elements who are saying that it should be salary, salary, but again, if our members are saying it should be about salary, 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 they are, they are in a way, you know, um, that's, that, that, that's a legitimate demand again. I mean, that's not to say that it is not a legitimate demand. It is a legitimate demand because you are, I mean, since 2009, the salaries that um, you know, academics are collecting in this country was last due for review as far back as 2009, you know. So, I mean, understanding the fact that um, inflation and what have you are then, you know, um, at, um, uh, suddenly you know, um, I jacked the economy of the country. Sorry, 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 um, comrade, sorry to, to cut you short um, there, but I mean, because of time and I think that you've answered, you know, the, the bulk of, 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 of the question. So I'll, I'll, I'll just hand you over to um, OAG, um, or hand over rather to OAG, who I think has one or two, two questions. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think I think if I think when I think when comrade Topper is done, we can come back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This way, yeah. I also I also would be also I also would be a bit um, stubborn and say that I'm not even sure that the leadership of us would belongs to the radical elements on campus. I'm quite ready to touch your dad now. You know, yeah, like, because yeah. when something keeps when, when something keeps happening, like over and over again, then 
it would be nice to have like a structural analysis of what's the root cause you know of this problem you know why do we always uh, have strikes in our you know sectors in the country especially with this educational sector because we are revolutionaries we are marxists you know we understand that the political your know, political economic base you know of this country is based is, is, is standing on primitive accumulation it's a capitalistic one of a ruling a pseudo ruling class that that is not advancing technology it is not inventing new things it only does the rent seeking you know so in this context if we are just selling a prime if the backbone of our economy is oil and it's the crude oil and we just sell it then can we say that the ruling class are just kind of giving a middle finger to education because they don't need to do anything and the, the, the country can thrive for them and survive if they just sell the oil so they don't need the to educate the country they don't need to educate young people they are fine and okay with this system is that you know in this context why uh, i'm just trying to give like a background is this a right analysis and why does it seem like strikes you know is never ending the show or strikes are never ending in our country you know at this point in time you know you've said it comrade you know we presently have um, a very pejetry ruling class and for a pejetry ruling class you know it is not interested really in moving the nation forward. It is not um, really interested in moving the people living in the nation forward in any way. You know, that's the reality upon which we're facing today in society. Um, I mean, to educate the oppressed will mean that you're teaching them how to stand against, how to resist you. Uh, but the Nigerian state really is not interested in that. You know, the point is that let us keep the people, you know, let us keep them uninformed. You know, let us um, keep them away from education so that they won't really know what their rights are. That's, that's what the... So the Nigerian, you know, ruling class is not interested in, you know, the... Because look at it. Look at the elementary level. They are happy about the fact that you now have more private schools than, you know, public schools at the elementary. And they are happy. And look at what is happening in those places. Look at what is happening in the private schools. Yeah. You know? The private schools exist without anyone even checking up on them. No regulatory body. All sort of, you know, backward tendencies are happening in these places and no one seems to be interested in them. Did you know, you, you know the backward you know, syllables that they are dealing with? You know, the fact that um, some of these private schools are now, um, you know, brothels in making? You know, and mm. no one really interested, you know. And the mass of our, our, our children are being kept in, uh, you know, in the most backward uh, you know, manner in the, I mean, perpetual darkness, that's what it is. They, they, mm. they, really, they are not giving what, I mean, the, a, a good touch of what education ought to be, you know, mm. instead of being educated, they are being de-educated, you know, that's, that's, that's yeah. what these places are, you know, so you, you, you really, you know, mentioned it, the fact that we have a state that is not interested. And they've said this publicly, that they, they don't have time for education anymore. You know, you can imagine they saying that, in fact, they are in the long run, what they want is to auction these existing public universities. They want to auction the existing public universities. That is what it is. So we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't... Um, you shouldn't um, joke with the fact that we have this backward element. And, and it is not because, um, I mean, it's not because they have to do this because they, they, they are in mornings. No. 
this is uh, I mean this is it's an agenda that is bigger than money because most people would think that most people would think that the ruling class they're just you know maybe stupid and all but if we look no, at it there's been an upward transfer of wealth uh-huh. privatization of everything and then which is leading to the destruction of what we call our public institutions and then we, ha- we are seeing private ones more expensive ones which is putting essentially putting education out of the reach of poor uh, of, of poor people and masses anyway you know but this is going to cascade into my own next question because when you see education being totally defunded and being it's not looking as if it's not a way to go in this country so i'm not sure if you probably have heard in the streets when yeah, the kids or the young ones say school na scam or who school help you know is now we say is is school really or fast becoming a scam in this country or is it my own personal opinion or uh, why is it that school has, you know, uh, education generally has been seen in that light, you know, by youths in Nigeria? Because most people can't care about, you know, or don't even care about going to school anymore. You know, so why, why is that scam thing, school now, scam thing? Why is it gaining ground now, you know, all among the youths and the young people in the country? Expensive oh, shit. <laughs> Expensive shit. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know how to, how to get your but take you on know, that. Like, a, you feel that school a, is becoming a scam now in this country? I mean, it's a reflection of the bigger agenda of the ruling class, really, to mm. make education not fashionable. You know, mm. I mean, part of the whole thing, like, look at it. You have this ongoing, um, um, you know, Talk show or whatever they call it, you know, your brother make that something. You know, <laughs> an expression of vanity, vanity, you know, modernity. Mm. An expression of modernity, really. And I, dis- I disagree. I disagree. Let's come back to that. <laughs> and I propose that we have this conversation someday. <laughs> no, definitely. We can talk but, about the revolutionary potential. But, of, uh, but, but you see, um, big brother. there's a man, there's a man, which I mean, every of our comrades here knows about Malcolm X. He had said that mm-hmm. uh, everything you touch must be viable for your progression. You know, everything you touch, mm-hmm. everything you do, everything you engage in must be instrumental to your liberation. If it's not instrumental to your liberation, then to hell with it. You are going to throw it into the trash can. Into the trash can, you know. And, I mean, that's what it is. Mm. So, uh, for me, we are currently living in a society that prioritizes modernity, you know. And that is why the educational sector today, you know, uh, appears to be, you know, an, an anachronistic sector, you know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. Suddenly, education education has become unfashionable, unfashionable in this country. And you're correct. Mm. I mean, I deal with I deal with students every now and then, and you get to see their their receptive their lack of receptiveness to you know knowledge. You know, um, mm. knowledge, this society is not a knowledge driven society anymore, and that's why we are not producing knowledge. At best, but some mm. of our lecturers they are only consuming knowledge. They are not producing. You know, because you are you are not being encouraged to produce knowledge anymore. Like the days where you have so much scholars, you know, 
on the continent coming up with theories. You have Bala Osman, you have Bade Olimode, you have Claudake, you have Watarudni, and all of these guys on the continent, you know, contributing to political theory, I mean, to the field of political theory and what have you. We have, mm. you know, a, a, we have, we have a data of that. We, we, we have, you know, um, I mean, it, now it's being reduced to existential living. Exactly, existential living, that's what it is. Mm. And um, you see, again, we are living in a society where the government currently think that it is not their business to create jobs. You know, it is not their business to build factories. It is not their business to engage you. It is not their business to employ people anymore. Therefore, you then have an army of poor people on the streets. You then have an army of unemployed youth on the streets. Extreme neoliberal um, exactly. government. Exactly. So under that condition, I mean, uh, sometimes ago I was reading it, uh, I think, um, in the daily, um, about a particular first class guy, you know, that, uh, that went into farming. That went into farming. And you see, you know what is happening today across the campuses? You know, this neoliberal IMF agenda that is, that is happening, they are now teaching students about yeah. this um, political entrepreneurial schemes. Yes, I heard or what they call that yeah, shit exactly. in NYC back then. Yeah. They started this I thing mean, for a long time. For another, I mean, it's not a course. It's not a course. So at the, at the other level, you do it. And you are at the front level, you do it also. So the, imagine now they bring entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, so they will invite barbers, they will invite tailors, they will invite, you know, I think, um, by the way, I, sh I should say at this point that I've started doing makeup. So if anyone wants uh, okay. to have their makeup done, I've started I'm probably going to event planning myself. <laughs> we can, uh, we can discuss oh, afterwards. You're making soup. <laughs> so yeah, just just want to just want to shout out my brand. Yeah. Oh, oh, we will invite you to one of the entrepreneurial class. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. thanks yeah. <laughs> this is the two to bring. Do you pay for invitation? You pay for invitation. Uh, they will pick, they will give them honorarium now. They will give uh, no them no. So you no. see, after they will let me tell you, so there's this joke about uh, last week or so, Tom was telling me of uh, one of the entrepreneurial class uh, sessions. By the way, imagine your world being in the uh, Department of Medicine. Now they have to bring the uh, Baba to come to the classroom to come and teach your product. The Faculty of Law. That this is how you become. Imagine all this kind of madness. What you are saying yeah. is that education, <laughs> yeah. but it's 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 intentional. So mm -hmm. sometimes ago, someone was telling me about a joke. You know, in one of these classes, they invited. I think a, a, a what's his name now. I think um, a carpenter also. You know, was invited to the campus, and of course, um, on I mean, non-literate and what have you. Uh, so the guy was at the podium, you know, saying that uh, education is a waste of time. Ah, mm. going back to school, school not scam, school and, help. He was saying this, you know, in the university, not outside the university, and he was speaking to students that education is a waste of time. That they should look at him as a carpenter. He never went to school, but he's doing this and ah. It's quite sad, you know, it's quite sad. And, you know, maybe to bring all these things into focus, now we are approaching the 2023 um, elections now. 
you know. And uh, I don't know, maybe just to ask if you have your own candidates. And if you do, what kind of <laughs> political political program do you, you know, envision that you should take a front row in improving and securing education, you know, in Nigeria at all levels now? Because we've talked about the primary, tertiary, and uh, mm. the secondary education, you know. So if you have a candidate, uh, then what kind of political program would you like to see? Oh, I mean, ordinarily, you see, uh, no society can progress without the vital educational sector. No society, you know. Uh, we need a literate society, you know. A literate society, a society where, you know, uh, schools will not be considered as a place where you have to make money, you know, uh, but a place where you have to do, produce knowledge, you know. Uh, but today, our universities are uh, part paying more attention to uh, how they can be producing pure water, selling. You can imagine universities, how they can be selling bread, how they can be selling water, you know, pure water, and all of that. You know? So, universities now see themselves as factories, you know, which, is, which, is, which is so unbelievable. You know? um, so, for me, you know, um, there is a necessity for us to see that education. Uh, it's not only free, but um, a, qualitative, a qualitative education, you know, it's been, it's been made to be free. And then uh, this, uh, this whole thing around accessibility must also be reckoned with, you know. Uh, our people must be given necessary access to a free and qualitative um, educational uh, 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 you know, uh, setting, you know, in the sense that that the schools have got to be open for all, you know, you know, because we are talking about knowledge. We are talking about people understanding where they are coming from, where they are, where they are still going. You know, we are talking about people understanding their immediate environment. How can you deny people that right? The right of knowing the environment, you know, the right of knowing themselves, the right of knowing what their tomorrow will be like, or taking, you know, part in building their, their, their future, their tomorrow, you know. So for me, um, we have uh, insisted that uh, a government that would, um, uh, that would um, stand for a free and qualitative educational sector is what, you know, is what we need at this material point in time. Not one that is talking about PPP, you know, private, uh, public, private partnership, you know, for the educational sector. The private mm -hmm. invited to own some something else. And that's a useless, you know, uh, proposal. You know. Uh, we are saying that more monies have got to be pumped into the educational sector. But beyond that, the syllabus, the um, you know, the the, uh, the teaching materials and what have you have got to be decolonized also because it is not just enough to have all these monies. You have this money for what purpose? You know, uh, education should be geared towards a particular goal. You know, geared mm. towards, you know, a certain goal, not just the fact that you want to be educated. You want to be educated for what purpose? You know, so we must create that understanding that you know education must be for a purpose. You know, uh, mm. at different points in time, the oppressors have understood this, and that's why they try as much as possible to distance people from education. You know. Uh, are yeah. we talking about a kind of education where people really do not know who they are? You know, uh, so the kind of education that our, you know, our government 
you know, would uh, possibly stand for is one that would be decolonized, totally decolonized, not yes. Yeah. Uh, backward things that seems to be going on at the elementary. Com comrade, I've, I've noticed that you've hesitated to pick a particular candidate. You're giving a very uh, political answer, which is fine. Which, but, which of course, but, is, no, which but, of course see, is fine. But, yeah. I, my, my inability to do that you know, speaks for itself on the basis indeed. of what I've said so far. Uh, indeed. 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 There's no candidate on the ballot who is talking about what you are. Absolutely not. From the obedience to the articulate to the emilocon, these are all terrible human beings. How about you, all right? Mm. Well, yeah, that's our man, but unfortunately, our man also stands with PPP, you know? So, I'm not really. But yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a faster. Faster pace mm. compared to all this, and no, of course, we don't want guys and what I did. That's yeah, obedience. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever it is, we will not stand with any PPP kind of arrangement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. PPP, in on a much lighter note, I think so. <laughs> I, I, you, yeah, you yeah. want to talk about music now, just yeah. To, uh, so, I mean, yeah, as we as we tie it up, and and um, you know, that's fair if you want to hold your um you know, political preferences closer to the chest. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely come back to talk about some of the, you know, the wider policy issues around education as we, t as we, you know, we delve into kind of the political campaign season further. But, um, comrades, to just wrap it up, um, on a slightly different note, one thing we've noticed is, uh, you are, aside from being a radical historian and an ASU member, also a musician. Uh, and in fact, we see that you're holding a saxophone right here in your um, in your profile picture. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, drag you too far into that. But I just wondered if you want to say a little bit about your music and then also just um, maybe, um, you know, let us know and let the audience know maybe what, where, where they can actually find your your music if they if they want to. Yes, um, I I play Afrobeat. You know, I'm an instrumentalist. I play um, tenor saxophone, and I'm also the lead vocalist of an Afrobeat band. We call it Alita Band. <laughs> Would be honoring Fela, you know, 25th ancestral passage of Fela, Fela mm. uh, at um, at our space in Lagos, uh, at at space in Lagos, Ayobo, um, Africa. Yeah. Um, this is coming Sunday. We shall be doing that. Yeah, good. Where is, is the that? space in Lagos? Where is the space in Lagos? Ayobo. Ayobo. Wait, Baja. Very close. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mainland. Mainland. Okay. Yeah. And um, we'll actually share, share a link to that in the description of this episode so that people who are in town or, uh, can um, join and then yeah. people who are not in town can feel bad um, about not being uh, there. Or watch virtually. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you see, for me, um, I'm, I'm, I see more music now. Like I'm beginning to understand it. 
to be more of um, like it's a burden that I see myself carrying in the sense that I, I cannot really drop it. Mm. Uh, particularly, I'm playing a kind of music that uh, unfortunately today stands not functioning. Uh, we are holding on to the line, you know, like uh, Khalid Wamir say, hold on to the line, which is what um, some of us seems to be doing um, mm. in the sense of playing um, liberationist music, you know, revolutionary yeah. music, and that, mm. that are not fashionable right now. That's upsetting the music yeah, scene. Yeah, but my entrance into music um, started, I mean, I grew up understanding music. I mean, my household, everyone growing up loved music. My dad, I would say, was a, an unprofessional musician in the sense that we would sing late into the night. Whatever I was mm. doing late in there, is in the bedroom, we would sing, is, you know, whatever, you know, we would sing, we would sing, we would sing all these, you know, folk songs, Yoruba folk songs, and what have you. And I grew up under that condition, and we would dance, we would sing, and all that. But um, I didn't really, growing up, I didn't think of myself going into music fully. I mean, for me, I've, I grew up understanding that I, I wanted to be a teacher, you know, I've been teaching all my life. I, I used to say this to people because I, get, I can remember myself, you know, uh, as, as a very young boy, I think um, just a boy or so, you know, I would gather the old kids in the compound and I would begin to teach them, you know, I would begin to teach them. I would, have, I would spend some of my, you know, pocket money to buy shop, you know, to teach um, children in the compound, you know, because I grew up in uh, Face my face, you typically because of style house and So that, that, that was it. But uh, at a point in my life, someone introduced me to Fela. I was introduced to Fela actually. But uh, he told him Fela at first. It was this guy, beautiful India. I wouldn't know if any of the comrades have heard of him. Yeah, well, I know beautiful India. He was my point of entrance into. Revolutionary music, not even Fela, you know, not Fela's uh, Afrobeat. Mm. Um, I met, and there's this particular track that I, I mean, this was in the early 2000s or so. Uh, what is it? Omojuri, Omojuri, that is translation what the eyes, you know, have seen, what the eyes have seen, you know, Omojuri. And that particular number, this man, you know, demystified colonialism. Within, mm. I think it was just for three minutes or so, you know, three minutes and some seconds in the track. You know, spoke about our experiences under slavery, under colonialism, within just this minute. And I was amazed. You know? um, I mean, I've heard about these narratives and all, but I've never understood the fact that music can actually play the role of a compendium in the sense that you can compile all of these experiences, all of these narratives of um, several pages, of several hours, of, you know, of several years, of several centuries, within just you know, a space of 30 minutes and 20 seconds. You can compile them in a single track, you know, music. I, like I didn't see that from And then I listened to that particular track because I grew up understanding that music is just anything like Particularly the beat, you know, dancer. There's nothing more to music other than dancing. Until I came across it in India, the entirety of my understanding, we became friends, you know, the entirety of my understanding. But 
even at that point, I was I, I wasn't interested in playing this style of music, you know, because I mean, for me, yes, the messages are great, but I was I was searching for something that you know the ordinary street you know can connect to directly, like I can you know like I I, I mean looking back, I knew that. There was something missing aside from the messages and what I give. By the way, um, Nubia sings in um, Yoruba language, you know. Uh, then, you know, um, not long after that time, uh, I came across Fela. I came across Fela and everything changed totally. My interest in mm. music, everything mm. changed. It changed. Everything changed. Like, I mm. then understood that the the powerfulness within music is real. It is not. I mean, it is not something that exists in the abstract. That it exists. Yeah. And yeah. Then, since then, since then, I've been, um, I've been um, uh, um, committed and uh, Afrobeatal. We'll have to. In fact, we'll have to have you back to talk more about your musical biography. You know, at a lo at a later stage. Um, not only because yes, so. I think it connects with. A lot of our wider interest on the show but because it's interesting in itself so um comrade at this yeah. point i'll just say a thank you not only for you know letting us know a little bit about you and your music but also for the wider conversation yeah. about asu and the, the the ongoing struggle to transform the education sector sector so thanks again for making time to speak with us today and um you know we we'll oh, hope, hope you you'll be able to join us again down the line Definitely. yeah thank you thank you for coming it was Absolutely. nice and very insightful. Thank you. For Thank you. Uh, it was nice having you, Chief. It's a pleasure, brother. <laughs> nice one. More, huh? power, more power to you. I mean, because uh, this is a great uh, initiative. You know, we need independent platforms such as this. You know, that tells us the you know the things that the mainstream media can tell us. Expose us to you know, so more power to everyone. Yes, please Thank you. continue continue to wash us, please. We need, <laughs> we need as much as much of that as possible. But no, I appreciate yeah. that. So yeah, nice one, man. So well, yeah. we'll let you go. Yeah. Right. So talk yeah. soon, then. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. And and, and folks, don't don't forget to to, to head over to our, our Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. Check Patreon. Out. We need, to build, we need to grow this community as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Alright.